Guys, this is part two of the episode. If you haven't heard part one yet, what are you doing here? Click on that and listen, and then come back here. For the rest of you, here's part two. Because Edinburgh is, I mean, it, it seems to be clearly for a specific mm. uh, market. Yeah. Definitely. It's not for, well, it's not for the people of Edinburgh, basically, because they they leave when it when the festival's <laughs> on. So it's, it is for people who want to showcase that they can do more than just stand on. That's why, I, that's from my experience of doing, mm. of doing Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Festival and observing other people, because it's not how I think that me and my friends did it when we went up. But definitely could see how other people structured their shows, and that was kind of the that was kind of the goal from what I from what I saw anyway. But that's just me observing. Um, yeah, I, I'm very much uh, of of that line of thinking as well because I saw I, I watched quite a few and I feel I, I get the need for that that dip at the mm. end, uh, but I feel like it it encourages late. Uh, lazy is a mean word to use, but uh, uh, lazier writing in that it's easier to make someone sad than it is mm. like to to do sadness for X amount of time than it is to write jokes for X amount of time. Yeah, there's, oh, a, there's, there's, a, there's a film critic called Mark Commode, right? And he says that it's much easier to make someone cry than it is to make someone laugh. And when it comes to writing those Edinburgh shows, you need to really think about what would you prefer to do? Do you want them to applaud you at the end or do you want them to laugh? And I don't know about you, but personally for me, it would always be, I want you to laugh instead of applaud. Because mm-hmm. uh, like for me, the applause should be like when like when, when you're at a show and then you're laughing so much that you, you can't, um, you can't, laugh more so then you start hitting your leg or you start mm. doing things with your that is mm. what a pause should be uh generally and it's because for me when i like my version of doing that with my hour which um i put out as um and then i sort of uh, put it now it's only available um on amazon prime but then i'm thinking about uh, not using all of it but then taking bits of that and doing an edinburgh show but doing it uh, my way uh, and then mm-hmm. my way for for that was instead of having a big uh, artificially sad thing um, <laughs> to begin the third act uh, just to put like your uh, like your happier crowd pleasing material up front mm-hmm. um, like like a like a club set but then you you vary because like if you think about it in um, in like a film or play act structure like a club set is 20 minutes it's it's your first Act, and then you just vary that, but then you stay within the rules of not the rule, but like the paradigm of you're doing stand-up. So your your sad thing will just be your looser, darker jokes at the end. Uh, which at like if the I found like if the audience is with you past forty, then you can you can do whatever. Like you're yeah. they're 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 very committed to you as a human. And you can be even like um, as like darker stuff, darker or edgy or whatever word you want to use for mm. um, your your easy, like your lower success rate material. Because mm. uh, like everyone has those jokes that when they hit, they hit harder than all of the rest of your jokes, but they hit maybe sixty percent of the time. 
Mm. And then when they don't hit, they kill the room. Whereas I found those uh, that when I was doing them at open mic, it would be 60%. And if they don't work, then I bombed the rest of my set. Mm. Um, whereas when I tried them at like 45, 50 minutes, they, they just work because the audience is um, invested in you already. Mm. And then that's the place to put that stuff. And it does, it's a change in tone, but then um, it's still, it's still comedy. It's, it um, isn't a, a confessional because a lot of times it just becomes confession, confessional when it's, um, because I think that structure where there's this big dramatic drop works well when you have multiple characters and props and, and direction and music and it's a, it's a production. Yeah. Uh, but when it's just one person there, there's, uh, like a few that I've watched that it doesn't feel completely contrived, but still feels a little bit contrived. But I do get what you're saying. It, it, do, it do kind of question, do you, but like you do question how much you're able to genuinely feel those emotions every every single night like and i suppose that's when it kind of verges into acting and a theater and being a theater show doesn't it because that's mm-hmm. where it kind of blends into yeah and uh what about you how did you start off in in stand-up when you started in I- London? I started in London. So what happened was it was, 29, it was 2017 and I was just thinking to myself, all right, what have I not done which would completely terrify me? And I just remembered, <laughs> yeah. And I just remembered this conversation that I had in, in what we call sixth form with someone where they literally just said, we were watching like Dave Chappelle or something like that. And they said, I, that they would be absolutely terrified of going up and telling jokes on stage and no one laughing and so in 2017 i was like right that's what i'm going to try and do next just at least give it a go so what i did was i signed up to a comedy course um shout out to kate smurfwaite it was a good course but what i did was it was six weeks it was a 10-week course and i knew we had a we had a showcase at the end of it and I thought to myself, I don't want to die on my ass at a showcase, right? That would just absolutely kill me. So after the first week, I started taking myself off to open mic afternoons and open mic nights. Mm. So I was kind of cheating and a bit ahead of the class <laughs> by the time that we got to the thing. Um, and I didn't, I don't think I told her until the showcase that I'd been going to open mic to, that I'd actually been doing stuff outside and actually been on the circuit. So <laughs> I told her, I, did, I told her at the beginning, and she said, right, great. Um, you're going to open then, and that's the case. You're, <laughs> I was like, great, fantastic. And I opened the showcase, and I had about seven or eight gigs where I'd either done lukewarm or bond up until that point. And... <laughs> So it was a bit like, okay, I've got stage experience, but we'll see what happens. And I went up and did well on the showcase, and it was great. But it's funny what you say about um, comedy courses, though, because I there are about, what, 15 people when we started, mm-hmm. then about it dropped down to about maybe 10 after about a few, after a few weeks. And even after the course had finished, there's only myself and Charlene Jahan, who was also on the course, who have continued it. Um, so, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it really does weed people out, doesn't it? Like the actual experience. I of think doing so, it. but I think a part of it is also uh, when I 
talk with other comedians about it. It's usually people that are already have decided like, okay, this is going to be my life. Mm. Uh, whereas I think when someone like uh, decides to do a comedy course, it's the same way they decide to do like a salsa dance class. Like they're, yeah. they're not trying to be a professional salsa dancer at some point in their life. Mm. Um, so I think that's why the, the attrition is so quick uh, mm. early on. But then from the people that continue as well, it's, uh, very rare that there's any that like stick. Uh, where do you think stand? Because we're in this weird time at the moment, right? Where do you think stand up as a medium is going to end up? If that makes sense. I just, I just wanted to be back to how it was. <laughs> perfect, perfect, exactly how it was. Yeah. Like that's why I loved it. It was the best. It was the best, the single mm. best thing. Um, so I'm just going to wait. Like I, mm. I haven't done any online shows because oh, same, same. <laughs> Thank you, someone else. Thank I've you. been in the room for an online show in that it was mm. like early, early lockdown in Berlin and one of my friends um, had, had signed up for one. Um, and just being, like, it's, so he was where I am and then we had a few other friends around and we got together to play poker. Mm. Um, and then he was going to do the show and then join the game. Mm. Uh, and we were just on either side of him. It was just, just bad. Like there's, there's mm. people... <laughs> blatantly not paying attention like mm. someone's obviously checking something else and then there's a three second lag before you get any laughter it's uh it's the, like the shittiest of open mics but worse mm. uh because at least at an open mic you can you you're there's some some gratification of being there and then at mm. least you can um have the sort of talk shit about the audience with the other people <laughs> on the lineup uh, afterwards this way you can't even do that you're just no. i mean if, uh, that that night he, he we we uh he had people around but generally you're just alone in your apartment after bombing to mm. to a group of digital heads mm. i watched one which was the uh, very very early in lockdown one in london and it was the comedy store gong show i wasn't on mm -hmm. I, I just went to watch just to see what happened just to see how it went it was an absolutely beautiful car crash. Like it was, <laughs> it was absolutely like it was everything that everything that could have gone wrong did. Or like <laughs> apart from like uh, except maybe someone like coming in like who wasn't actually invited and like just popping the Zoom. <laughs> but other than that, everything that could have gone wrong did. And I was only planning on watching it for like ten minutes or so and then leaving. I stayed for the full two hours because it was that entertaining. <laughs> but like I've I've heard from other people who have run the who have run um, online gigs since then, and because of they've had the time to perfect them, they've actually managed to make it a viable thing. But for me, I am probably going to get the same. The same feeling of doing this, like I'm uh, us just talking right now, as I would doing just talking into my computer on a stand-up set, and it just wouldn't be the same as yeah, having it's, an it's actual audience. Coke. It's <laughs> oh good, yes. <laughs> I like you. No, already. actually, it's I... worse because Diet Coke is is still it tastes like it's like um like if you if you're one of those people that doesn't like alcohol but you drink for the effect, but then mm. you're drinking alcohol-free beer. Yeah. It's I, not, it, dude. I, I love you already because everyone else I speak to hates normal coke and loves diet coke. I'm telling you, it's not the same. It's <laughs> terrible. It's worse. It's it makes me feel weird. Oh, uh, yeah. a, a normal coke is like a treat. It's like a yeah. Well, that's because like diet coke. That's like yeah, a little bit scientific, but like diet coke has 
it's got the sugar replacement aspartame in it. That's why it doesn't taste. Mm. It doesn't taste as good, and that's why it makes you feel a bit weird because aspartame is it's completely artificial. It's not supposed to be in your body. Yeah, and I think like it's the same with like there's there's people that like diet coke, and I, I mm. think it's the same thing with people that like or, or have come to terms with Zoom open mics, where it's just <laughs> a form of Stockholm syndrome, where they've just mm. accepted. They've come to terms with the reality, which is good <laughs> to an extent. But then I'd rather ju- I'd rather just wait and I yeah. occupy my my time elsewhere. And did you? Was there a point where? Well, did, but you were in you're in London now, correct? You're in mm-hmm. London. Okay. Yeah. So I snuck so, in. I managed to sneak sneak in between lockdowns, and there was like a three week period in October. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I because I was trying to like the plan was to move early early 2020. Mm. And then um, lockdown happened. I couldn't find a, a job to get a visa and then move. Mm. Um, and then I just it was stubborn enough to keep trying through the summer. And then I, I found one. And then I just <laughs> uh, hopped over. And then I haven't seen much of London. Okay. But then it'd be the same if I was in Berlin because Berlin is doing just as bad. Mm. Um, so it's not like it would be. It was a mistake to move early. Uh, my life would be the same. I'd be home every day. Did you manage to get on any gigs where in that three week period before lockdown? Uh, there were two that I did in like my first couple of weeks. So like mm. it would have been uh, maybe mid October around yeah. there. Uh, mid end of October, I did one um, way very far west. It was Richmond, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, bear, bear, bear claw. Bear, yeah, bear, bear claw. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was nice in that, like, like that. I went, um, and there were about fifty people in their social distance. Mm-hmm. Um, we got and- put that in there now, don't we? They were so- <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and even that, like, instantly was like, if this is like a lockdown, because fifty people would be. Like Cosmic's probably Cosmic, and then there's a new club that just opened in Berlin, The Wall, mm. which their uh, Cosmic can fit maybe a hundred mm. really packed and uncomfortable, like only in winter because then the temperature won't be too um, too humid mm. inside. And then The Wall that fits about 60. Mm. Uh, whereas there, they said usually they'd be able to fit about 150, 200, uh, which is like there's no, no gig in Berlin that... Um, get through that many people and if this is just a show that runs weekly um in an edge of london then, then it made it sort of told me that this was a good idea to, to mm. move here uh, I, mean, I mean timing regardless is not a good time for anyone anywhere no um and then i did one very different show which was very much uh london comedians that have come to uh, berlin have told me that, like to be grateful of the open mic scene in berlin because london open mics are just other comics and it's it's like that uh, and it was i mean it was i won't say the name of the show because it 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 uh, it, it, uh, it would be very nice but it no. was <laughs> we were we were uh, it was an open room in that there were people eating and going about their business in oh, the same room as the show Oh, uh, uh, to be fair, they were they're usually in apparently the basement of this the the venue, but then they were uh, forced, uh, I think, for something COVID related, uh, or otherwise to be in the main seating area. So it was also my bad luck on that particular night. So it, and and the audience was all other comedians, which were like were very uh, supportive, which is nice. In that not that Berlin's not supportive, but then um, the scene is small enough that unless you are really writing new material every single week because mm. um, the scene is about 150 people total 
Mm. And then about 20 people that are really like doing three or four more, four or more gigs a week back when mm. stuff was normal. Um, so everyone knows everyone's set by heart. Um, oh so then if it's all comedians at a gig, we just, we just cancel it. Like, there's no point. We, we, we all know what's going to happen. Um, whereas, whereas here, like we're just grateful for everyone, for everyone. Yeah. Just, just down. How did you go about getting signed? Uh, I just, um, when I showed up, so I, I, cause I had my little body of work um together and so i use that as sort of a intro mm. uh to people and then um just did like i had a manager in berlin who was um just a friend who was very just just uh helped me out a lot because uh, she wasn't there was no money to get commission from no um so uh she was helping me out and she made the email list for me of uh all of the agents and managers in london mm. So I just uh, sent a, a cold email to everyone, and then um, most replied with uh, that they're not taking on new clients because of COVID, which is fair. Mm. Um, and then the few that replied, I uh, just had conversations with, and then um, ended up with uh, Daisy, who who uh, manages me now. And then uh, it was through her that, that uh, I got set up with you as well. That's brilliant. That's that's really that's really cool. <laughs> um, so uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like this is it's a cultural phenomenon and it's it's really strange how this little sitcom that started off in the 90s has reached has managed to reach new audiences um it seems like every single year it's the best and it's so like it's so universal uh, mm. in um because usually like if uh, even american audiences it's it's not just a black show it's it's everyone mm. it, like generally it has a wide audience and mm. then usually even a very successful american show won't be popular in the uk or um internationally but then fresh prince is just it it works mm. everywhere it's great it's it's because I, I work with um i work with kids right and they are still t it's mad that they are it's a show that they're still that they're just discovering now and and they've been and they're able to relate to it as well. Um, so what made you want to pick the first, the Fresh Prince for us to talk about? I think it was just it was the only like that style of show as far as like a single camera sitcom um, shot in a studio type mm. show that I, I liked uh, out of like the popular ones like Seinfeld. I never really uh, like I now as an adult and after doing stand up, I see. Mm. the the craft in it but then emotionally i, I just don't connect to it mm -hmm. uh but then fresh prince just had everything as far as like relatable characters mm. um and it was just a, a funny show and then the humor was my sense of humor that i had mm. as a kid um and then there were like dramatic themes in it like the like the uh episode i like the most is um when Will's dad visits and then and leaves, mm -hmm. and then there's that scene where where he's uh, talking about Kofu, like, "Oh, why you don't want me?" Like, I I cry, I still cry every time yeah. I watch that episode. Um, so it has that that you know, like range of of uh, you being very silly and light most mm -hmm. of the time to uh, very serious moments, um, and then it just continues being silly and light again. Mm. Do you know what's insane? Like, I feel kind of sorry for the guy that played Will's dad in that in that in that episode yeah. because 
the amount of hate that he allegedly got afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about the real life implications of it. But I think he also got me too as well. So like yeah, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I don't feel too sorry for him that much, but like uh, yeah. but it is there isn't an actor on that show who isn't at least good. There's usually yeah. like one weak link in a show. And obviously you can say that like there are very they, the actors that they got are of varying degrees, but no one in the show is bad. And that's really no. rare. Yeah, exactly. And they were all perfectly cast for their parts. Mm. And then, yeah, adding on to it was I had, like, uh, Ashley was my crush and her age, like, like followed my age perfectly mm. for the age I was when I was watching the show. Mm. Um, and the Carlton was great. And then even all of Will's girlfriends uh, throughout the, I think Tyra Banks was one of uh, Tyra Banks was one. Queen Latifah uh, was then, one. Me yeah. along. Like literally, if you were a female black actress in the US, <laughs> you had that you were you you, you probably... fictionally dated Will Smith at some point. <laughs> yes, yes. James Avery, right? He can say so many things with just his eyes. Yeah, or could say so many things. <laughs> and then the just the creativeness of the fat jokes on him. <laughs> it was it was it was impressive how they just continued it for every episode of the show and it was always new and yeah. was it was yeah it was just like great writing for like my sense of humor because like comparing mm. it to like Seinfeld was also now like I can see that it's great mm. writing but it's just not my my thing mm. uh, but yeah Fresh Prince was, was great I think also it says um, a lot where the writing is so good that even though the characters themselves don't grow necessarily because in a sitcom they're not necessarily they can't, all, yeah. they're not allowed to really grow but they're still relatable throughout the whole of these six or six or eight seasons however many it is and people mm. still stuck with it and there's not a weak season there's not a bad season no. yeah. like even when they replace Aunt Viv that still kind of worked especially with how they did yeah. it there was like the initial backlash, but then this new Aunt Viv sort of pulled her weight and it was fun. It was, mm. it was like after a while, people are still, still hold a grudge, but then I don't mind new Aunt Viv. I do, no. do still prefer season one uh, mm. Aunt Viv, but still. Did you see the reunion episode? No. Ah, uh, oh, as, yes, as you're a fan of Fresh <laughs> Friends, it's, it's essential viewing and it's, <laughs> It genuinely is like it's just really, really well done. And it's if you're a fan of the show, it's what you'd want. It's what you'd want to see, and how mm. things kind of get tied up. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it, but it is well worth your time. It is well worth your time. Right, I'm going to take a look. Thank you. No, it's fine. Um, so, how would if like I always ask this question? How? If you had no choice, right? If NBC or whatever came to you and you had no choice but to remake the Fresh Prince for a new audience, how would mm -hmm. you do it? Oh, in the in um, as far as what changes, that, variations I would make from the original. Yeah, how would you remake it? Oh gosh, I don't, I don't, wouldn't want to change it at all. But then. And it's also it, it's a difficult thing because it hinges specifically on Will Smith uh mm. and and young will smith because old will smith won't oh goodness actually let me think of a, a possible replacement that would work 
I think the 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 best because Will Smith also very much fit the zeitgeist of of culture at the time that show came out. Mm. Um, so thinking about it, I, mean, I keep it the same. Maybe uh, switch the format. Uh, format being still keep it a sitcom, like twenty to thirty minute episodes. Uh, but then instead of making it the shot in a studio um, with a laugh track or, or live audience, um, make it the single camera, like the Atlanta. Uh, Master of None Fleabag style, mm. um, and then cast protagonist someone like like Jaden Smith or or, <laughs> or Tyler. No, not Jaden Smith. But I feel like it's too much. Uh, Tyler the Creator, I think, might be mm. a, 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 if he was. But Tyler the Creator is also getting a little older. Let's say a, a five years younger Tyler the Creator, and then who else would be that? Let me think. Who would I replace Carlton with? Carlton could be Jaden Smith. Yeah. Because I, I feel I I I, I can because the whole Jaden I remember being a teenager and then very much buying into the Jaden Smith is a wise deep philosophical man thing, mm. um, and then now that I'm an adult, realize like oh this is just uh, uh, an unhinged rich boy. <laughs> <laughs> he makes good music though. He does make. He do, actually, I do. I, I did do enjoy. Yeah. He, it, it, but you're it, not. But you're not wrong. He is just <laughs> uh, like I, I. There's a. Uh, uh, I'll send you. Um, have you seen the Key and Peele sketch of Jaden Smith? I'm not. I'm so it's, happy it's that, that that exists, <laughs> but I've not seen it. It's just, the the premise is just um, Jaden Smith wanting um, a role in a movie that portrays him as a normal kid, <laughs> um, and then I'll send it to you. It's great. It's great. Okay. I love okay. No, they're great. They're, they're fantastic. As far as I can get for now. Okay. No worries, man. Um, so to wrap it up, thank you for coming up. Where, what have you got to promote and where can people find you? Uh, right now, um, nothing in particular to promote. If you, I, I, I mean, I have the documentary about, uh, out about um, the comedy scene in Berlin and that you can find uh, on Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime, if you just search uh, Vidura, V-I-D-U-R-A, um, or it's called Open Mic Days. Mm-hmm. And then um, my first comedy special, I, I hesitate, like special is the only word that you have in stand-up, <laughs> but if it, uh, I, it's it's like my first, like it, if, if we were musicians, I'd call it a mixtape. Like it's okay. just my first <laughs> thing that I like, where like I, because I've got to a point where I don't, a lot, some of that material I'll keep doing and I'll take it mm-hmm. into like the first big, thing that i hopefully get to do uh but then most of it was just like i don't i i think it's good enough to record in some form but mm. i don't want to keep doing this anymore <laughs> um so that also you can find um if you just search my name on amazon prime and then on social media uh thankfully vidura isn't a very common name so if you start <laughs> searching uh v-i-d-u-r-a and just the hairiest thumbnail you find will likely be me excellent um, and yeah, that's it. Right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure no, talking to you. Man. Thank you. Thank you.